All right, in light of the time, I am going to have mercy upon you. And I'm only going to preach on one point. How about that? Huh? You have to hang around. You have to No, that'll be all right. You'll be okay. You have to preach on one point. And that is point number three. So look at on your outline, point number three. The heart is the burning center. Now let me read for you the text that uh, follows on the road to Emmaus. I think we're all familiar with this famous account. It's a resurrection sermon. Uh, it's an Easter sermon text, right? So here we are, end of September, talking about the road to Emmaus. It's actually on the day of Christ's resurrection. Luke records uh, there are these two uh, disciples. One is Cleopas. We're not sure uh, who the other one is. And uh, they're walking along to this road named Emmaus. And Jesus comes alongside them. They are overwhelmed with a sorrowful heart. And uh, they recount for Jesus all that's happened. Jesus inquires, what's going on? What's happened? And then Cleopas says, are you the only one who doesn't understand what's happened here in Jerusalem? And they go on and on about informing Jesus, who was at the center of it all, about what happened. And uh, they express that, well, we had hoped it was Jesus who was going to be the, the Messiah. And we hoped that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And we hoped, and we hoped. We thought he would be a much bigger deal than he was. We thought that he would deal with Rome and his dominion over us, right? So, so Jesus is listening into this, and then he corrects them. Verse 25, he says, O foolish ones and slow of heart, slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then verse 27, and beginning with Moses and, all, and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. What we're doing in this series, we're starting a new series called The Big Picture, what we're doing in this series is we're actually going to start in Luke 24 to give you the golden key that unlocks the, the door of the Old Testament. So Christ in all the scriptures. Um, in finding Christ, you find the reason for the scriptures. Um, the Bible is not first and foremost a, a manual for parenting. Uh, the Bible is not first and foremost a, an end times uh, de detector code book. Um, the, the Bible is not, first and foremost, anything else but a book recording God's plan of redemption for us. So, now the Bible does speak about those other things, but it is, first and foremost, a book about Christ. So when you read your Bible, Christian, you are reading a Christian book. And you have the right to read it with Christian lenses. And so Jesus is actually telling us in verse 27... This is how you read your Bible. This is how it was always intended to be read, with a Redeemer in the middle of it. So, he is speaking to their, their, their sorrowful hearts, because they thought it was a story about just hope being dashed. And then he speaks to their slow hearts. It had been revealed. It was there. They had been instructed in this, but they just were, they, they were not willing to, to believe it. We're slow, slow of heart. Then Jesus stays with these two, and they actually get to Emmaus, 
and they find some place where they're staying, and the, the, the narrative continues on. So they drew near to, to the village in which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, and they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the, na- the day is now spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And then verse 31, And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Look at verse 32. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? So I want to just leave you with this thought about the burning heart. The heart is the burning center of our human existence. It is, your heart has been meant to burn. Um, my heart burns for food. <laughs> uh, my heart burns for, and you, pretty, pretty normal things, I imagine. And I get, I get passionate about things. And you can always tell when someone's passionate about something because they, it's pretty evident about them. Um, I have a, a book, a, a crazy book, a collection of stories of, of, of fans. Uh, ESPN put together this book, and it's a, a book about psycho fan behavior. Football season. So one guy, uh, big Florida Gators fan, and he's got a private plane, and he's flying to a Florida Gators home game. So he's not... He's a really passionate fan, but he's not a very good pilot because he crashes the plane in a tree. But he's not hurt. And he manages to get down from the ground, down to the ground, dusts himself off. He's a mile from the stadium. And he makes it for kickoff. That's a psycho fan. In his mind was a story. In his mind was a, was a, was a was a passion. Was a, his heart was burning for Gator football. And he thought nothing of leaving the wreck in the tree and getting on to the really important things of life. You can always tell someone who's passionate. And what we, what we have in this text is two disciples who are reflecting on their own burning hearts. And Luke wants the world to know this. Luke wants the world to know that Jesus trained his disciples on the other side of the resurrection and he taught them that he was at the very center of the scriptures and as he unfolded the scriptures, as he unveiled the big story, it wasn't just information, it was transformational truth about a person. And they were drawn into the story and their hearts burned. And they knew it and they were reflecting on it and they are aware of what they're aware of. Wow. You're aware of what you're aware of. Another way of putting it, they came alive. Another way of describing Christianity is making people human again. Human beings were always intended to be alive with a burning love for God. That's just how we were designed. And the sorrow of our existence, the sorrow of our, of our current moment is you sort of have glimpses and moments of maybe it's a meal, maybe it's a football game, maybe it's a, a romance, maybe it's a novel, maybe it's a, right? 
moments of, ah, yeah, I felt alive during that. I felt alive during that, right? I felt a burning. I felt something. But then it doesn't quite work. It doesn't quite work. What did Jesus do to, to explain to them the scriptures? Did he, did he show them the law? We know that he, he did. He, he describes, Mo, and beginning with Moses, verse 27. Moses is the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Describing the purposes of the law, of course, is always to point to a Savior. Perhaps he pointed out uh, the biblical characters who, uh, who, needed, uh, who needed a Savior, a Redeemer. We're going we're gonna to explore in this series the, the key figures of the Bible. So next week it will be on, uh, about Adam and how Adam points uh, to the need for a second Adam. And Noah uh, points to a greater Noah. Uh, Abraham, uh, in, in the stories that are associated with him, uh, he, he's pointing to a redeemer. Think of Moses and, and all that Moses did in delivering his people from the Exodus. In the Exodus, there's a greater Moses coming. And, and David, David, what a great deliverer and great leader for his people. There's a great, greater David coming. So in, the, in describing this big picture, Jesus is is speaking to the heart. The heart. Our hearts have been made for this, this, this love of uh, this love f- for God, to be aware of our need for the love for God. Have you? Ever, I don't know if you've come across someone, and this may be true in your experience. Someone who's relatively new to the Christian faith. Perhaps they came to faith later in life. It's very interesting to be around them, because uh, they tell us something about our experience. They will learn things about the Christian faith that they didn't know. And that's, that's pretty basic. They will also learn about the, their longings. I didn't know this. They will, as we are around new Christians, it's very interesting to be with them, is that they instruct us in their own growth and the depth in which the gospel is now speaking to their deeper longings. They were unaware. They're on the edge of the Grand Canyon, and they had no idea how big it was. That's what it's like to be a Christian. I, I didn't know how deep it was. I didn't know how vast were my longings. That's the burning heart discovering what it needs. So uh, the New Testament is really uh, an, an, an explicit description of the person of Jesus, the one who does Occupy the central role of Scripture and as an explanation of his of his vitally important role. So um, Jesus is drawing them into a story, and with humility, they they receive instruction, and the Spirit is actively working with Scripture to illuminate. Listen carefully how I said that: the Spirit is actively working with Scripture, verse twenty-seven, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets. And as they're listening, the Spirit is now moving in them and illuminating their mind. Technically, they're not getting more, they're not getting new revelation. They are getting the mind open to what God has already revealed. So there's a distinction. Theologians make a distinction between revelation and illumination. Revelation is done, revelation is completed. Revelation is inspired, and it is profitable for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness. 
2 Timothy 3.16. You have the certain revealed word of God. Now, this is a closed book for many people. You can go to a university and have a class on the Bible as literature. But the question is, well, well, will we love the God who is revealed in the Bible? The question is, will we love the Redeemer who is given for us? Will that love be produced in us? And that is the illumination and that is the work of the Spirit. Have you ever sensed this? I realize I'm speaking subjectively here. Have you ever sensed the burning heart having encountered the Word of God in such a way that you're saying, I need this Savior. I want this Savior. This is the the one for whom I exist. Have you had an encounter that has brought to you the love of God in such a way? The heart is burning as it glories in God. Glories in God. We are by nature suspicious of God. We are by nature devoid of God, born into this world in Adam, apart from God. Now, uh, I recently was reading some John Piper, uh, his book, Desiring God, chapter 5, and he talks about sometimes in the Christian, our disposition can be so sour, so depressed, and so down. I really appreciate this book, talking this way. So sour, so depressed, and so down that between your house and your driveway, you just want to sit in the grass and cry. And he says the solution based on Psalm 19 where it says that the law of God will revive the soul, he says the solution is to crawl to the scriptures. Because it is in the revealed will, will of God that God will bless his word and crawl to the scriptures that what the scriptures describe as the as sweetness, the sweetness of God's commands, the goodness of God's commands, the reviving power of God's commands will be brought to you. But crawl to the scriptures. The law of God is perfect, reviving the soul. So, Jesus instructs the disciples and their heart is burning. It's a holy awe. It's a delight in in God forms. It's a glory in God. And particularly what Jesus instructs the disciples about is, was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer? And then they have the experience of the heart burning in light of this instruction. Meaning, their view of God now is, God has come to rescue me. And he did this through suffering. It's the heart burning, perceiving God's faithfulness over time. It is the story of God over time willing to suffer, willing to be patient, willing to endure in order to redeem. And so the stories of our Old Testament are very consistently, very much consistently about God's patient pursuit of sinners. It's the heart perceiving God's faithfulness. Now, Jesus is at the center of the story. Don't get me wrong here. 
but we have a deep suspicion where we wonder if our lives matter. Is that you? Do you wonder if your life, life matters? And I would suggest that this burning heart is that I'm in the story as well. It's a story that includes me. And I'm the, I'm the rebel. I, I don't deserve to be in the story, but I'm here. It's the burning heart is identifying what God has been doing and he has been intending to rescue God is working, and he overcomes rebellion. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer and then enter into his glory? And so in the exaltation of Christ, in his resurrection and his ascension, he is overruling the forces of evil, overruling death. He is proving that his faithfulness can overcome what I'm afraid of. And so the heart is burning as the soul comprehends God's intention through time. And of course, this happens. This is your privilege. This happens as we pursue Scripture. Martin Luther was asked 500 years ago, what is the big deal about the Bible? I mean, what's the deal why do you want people to have the scriptures? His, his basic answer was that they might find Christ. And what Luther would argue, uh, he would argue that the only way you can find Christ who can break through into this world is through the preaching and proclamation of Christ. And so this, you find this theme in the New Testament that is, the, 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 the Apostle Paul in particular says that we, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as what? Crucified. As suffering. As representing the intention of God to redeem rebels. And this news, they come alive. They begin to delight in it. Now, they had a unique experience. Can you imagine being trained by Jesus in, in the scriptures? Not bad. Can you imagine a Bible study with Jesus? I mean, just come with, you know, go with me for a little bit. Just, all right, let me tell you about Moses. And, and you, you're going to get absolute pure interpretation of the Bible at that moment. Just absolutely pristine, cannot get any better, right there. And let me, let me explain to you David. And those next sentences, or however long he talked, it's absolute gold. Now, they were before the face of God. They were before the face of Jesus. Um, God has a face. It's the face of his son. That's how God wants to be seen. That's how God was willing to be seen. And this language is picked up in 2 Corinthians 4, in which God is shining his, the knowledge of his glory, the knowledge of his glory, which the, these two are picking up on. They're experiencing the knowledge of his glory and 2 Corinthians 4, in the face of Jesus Christ. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God, this is 2 Corinthians 4, in the face of Jesus Christ can be seen for us as we look at the unfolding mystery. You can see the light of the glory of God 
in the face of Jesus Christ by studying Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David. We're going to see these things. It's, it's, uh, it's our passion here as elders and leaders in the church. We want you to have confidence. When you think about your Bible, you can, in 10 minutes, explain it to your teenager, the big flow of the Bible. In just a few moments, you can explain it to your, your five-year-old. What's the Bible about? We want you to have confidence that you can move through your Bible. Extremely important. His suffering foreshadowed his, his redeeming purposes. Now, usually when we think in terms of burning, right, burning, we're not our hearts burning within us, verse 32. Don't, when you think of burning, do you think of something positive? I don't think it's like, man, I think I, have you ever, uh, a burn from the stove, and painful that is, and how. So burning is usually associated with something negative, fire, right? But not here. It's interesting. Burning is actually something, something good. It's actually the opposite of what we'd imagine burning to be. Uh, getting burned literally is not com- comforting, Right? But for these disciples, the burning heart is deeply comforting. It's the most comfort the heart could ever experience. So, it's interesting, the one who uh, was quite influential in uh, Tolkien's life, an author named George, uh, uh, George MacDonald, he said that the fire of God, which is in his essential being, his love, his creative power is a fire unlike its earthly symbol in this, that it is only at a distance it burns, that the farther from him it burns the worse. Listen carefully to how he described that. The fire of God, the further you are from him, in other words, you don't know him, the worse it burns in a negative way. And that when we approach him, of course, this is through Jesus Christ, the burning begins to change to comfort. So the, the nearness of God, the psalmist says, the closeness of God is my, is my good. Were not our hearts burning within us when he was right present with us, when he was right there with us, and as he was explaining the scriptures to us, his presence is a threat to those who don't believe. It is something they avoid. But for we who believe, his presence is the best possible comfort. It is a burning pleasure of the heart. It is a warmness of the heart. It's the heart coming alive to God's glory and being safe in God's presence. And all of this comes about at the great price of Jesus explaining and putting into action real suffering. So the Father today seeks to communicate his love to us through the agency of his Son, and the foundation is not our subjective experience, but God God historically connecting us or connecting us to his historic record and giving us the agency of the Spirit of God to produce this burning heart. 
me ask you this. We're going to enter into the big story of the Bible, the big story. I want you to reflect on this, and then I'm going to close. If you're like me, there's a story that's captured your heart. There's a story. It could be the story of your career, the story of the American dream, the story of perfect children, the story of, and you, and you, you, you fill in the blanks. There's a, there's a story there. Somewhere in there, you're trying to make sense of life. It may be a really sad story where, nope, there is, there's just no hope, and I'm just stuck in a really bad chapter of this book, and it's not going to finish well. I want, you, I, want you to, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is present today in, his scripture, in these scriptures to bring to us the knowledge of the glory of God for your good, for your heart. Will you be praying as we go through this series and, and begin to explore, and we're given, before the series even begins, the key that opens up the scriptures, ask God, Lord, I'm desperate. I'm desperate to be made alive to you. I'm desperate to be, to be burning in love for you. We need each other in this pursuit. We need, we need to be encouraging each other, praying for each other, that the big, big story would grab our hearts and the big, big God who was willing to suffer and, and give his life for us will be at the center of that story. Let's pray.